From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 769, Data Governance Using Azure Purview with guest Lori Litwack. Recorded Monday, February 22nd, 2021. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Lori Litwack, who is a problem solver, a mother of daughters, and a compassionate geek. And she's presently working in the Azure Information Protection Team, where she focuses on making it easier for security and data professionals to discover and protect their sensitive data anytime and anywhere. And she has lots of experience. I won't tell you exactly how long with enterprise software development and also with coaching women in tech. And she has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of Waterloo in Canada with a concentration in management sciences and grew up in Montreal. So a fellow Canadian, although long time in the Redmond area, I imagine. That is correct. Yeah, well, you know, that's the only way you get to work for Microsoft, really. Not anymore. Yeah, I guess that's true. All of that has changed. So you're going to come back? Well, I'm going to come back um, into the office because I absolutely miss seeing my colleagues. You're right. However, we get to work up to 50% um, remote uh, each week. So I'll be working from my home office as well as in the office. This is the new normal, right? Like it, This it, is the new normal. And it's only, we're recording this in February. It's publishing in March. The pandemic is far from over. Correct. But uh, yeah, it is interesting to see how all of this stuff is actually going to uh, line up. Uh, I'm excited to talk about Purview. One of the contexts on this is that I have lots of IT folks I've talked to that in the past year have moved rapidly to the cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, that they were, they as their folks were leaving the office, and they needed more remote connectivity uh, and have their folks working from home have uh, not only have to be sipping through the VPN, but to connect through Office 365 and such. Uh, and they're rethinking their data governance. Like there's the, how am I protecting data now? Because once upon a time, it was behind my firewall. It's just not like that anymore. Exactly. Right. There's no perimeter really anymore. Yeah. And that's that's a scary thing. And it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Because more and more, the ability to work from anywhere for anyone is is a value add. Sure. Right? It allows you to attract new employees. It allows you to, to provide and, and get the best talent wherever you are. And I, I really think we're no longer thinking about this as temporary. Like this is the new normal. Last year, I was doing this pandemic series and I hit a point where it's like, I can't tell the difference between a regular IT show and a pandemic show anymore. (laughs) This is normal now. So it's worth doing it well. Absolutely. And uh, the new challenges that come up is all about where is my data? What is my data? Who's accessing from where? And, And if I want to prevent data loss and data leaks, what do they look like now? Right, because everybody's connecting from IP addresses that I don't necessarily know, right. and yeah. so how do I tell what is um, sensitive? How do I tell what is normal patterns? And all of those things come together when I think about how do I discover and protect my sensitive data. Well, certainly, you know, I've known folks that literally filled the USB slots on the ho- on the office machines with epoxy, so nobody could stick a USB key in. And hey, by the way, don't do that. There's group policy for that. There's a better way to fix that. But now that it's not your own machine, now it's not a company machine like that. And that's also now normal. Like you don't have that option. Sure. 
you you have a lot more options if you provide the machine though, right? And you can say there's certain number of things that I can do with your machine, with your own personal machine, but there's other things that you can only do with on a work machine. Right. Um, if you want to get to particular sensitive data or if you want to store it locally on the machine, potentially that has to be a, a policy that's only on a, a work managed machine. So So are we better off in the cloud then for this stuff? Because it sense seems to me that has a fairly good set of security rules around it anyway. If you can access my Office 365 tenant, then I should be able to put some governance there. Absolutely. So again, as you said, the pandemic, you know, increased remote work. It also really pushed people to um, increase or accelerate their their cloud migration or their Mm -hmm. digital transformation, right? So having things in the cloud, using the cloud services to be able to not just store things, but to be able to secure and monitor and protect um, huge value if I don't have to have everything locally on a on a device. I don't have to worry about what's happening to the the, the protection of that to, to who's accessing it. But also, I don't have to worry when that uh, laptop gets dropped. Right. <laughs> if I lost all the data, yeah, I switched laptops. I switched phones in the last year, and I didn't do a darn thing to the the device itself. All I said was, this is my new machine. I log in and uh, my cloud stored data is still there. So that's all my personal, not my personal, but my, you know, my user created data. Mm-hmm. And that's all my productivity data. There's a whole set of operational and analytical data that's already stored in the cloud. That's based on the line of business applications that I use. And then just the, the log information of all the things that I'm doing, all of that is stored up in the cloud based on my use of these uh, cloud services. And that is the focus of Purview, all that analytical, operational, Interesting. IoT type of data that I don't know about, I don't even deal with, but it's just a, a factor, a scale larger than the information protection and information worker data that I produce myself every day. Because we've had things like document protections and so forth. Not that they were ever easy to set up, mm-hmm. to set rules around, you know, whether you're allowed to open that document or how long you can have access to it or where, where whether you're allowed to email it even. But, mm-hmm. uh, and they were never, like I said, they're never trivial to do. Is this consolidating all of this or is this new capability? So this is net new capabilities. Okay. So we have information protection, Microsoft information protection technologies within M365 that goes from devices to SaaS clouds to M365 and on-prem file shares and on-prem SharePoint, um, even expands to Teams, which is a huge value to our customers. Yeah. Um, expanding on that is the ability to be able to take those, those classifications that you use in the Microsoft information protection world, all the things out of the box that say, is this a social insurance number? Is this an EU um, ID? Is this whatever it is? And and apply those to data sources that are uh, in the operational and analytical world. Wow. Right. So we're talking about SQL Server, right? We're talking yeah. about um, Hives. We're talking about Databricks. We're talking about uh, Azure uh, data sources around the world, as well as um, multi-cloud starting with our announcement in um, at Ignite mm-hmm. of uh, the support for AWS S3 buckets, right? So that we'll be able to find your sensitive data, classify it, and then apply Microsoft Information Protection sensitivity labels to all those new data sources and data types. I mean, I've put a lot of time into convincing developers to add PII restrictions on the custom apps we've been doing internally. Mm-hmm. 
this sounds like almost a workaround to that to some degree that I could. This is, I, I agree. This is putting it at the platform level, at right. the data source level, not at the um, application level. Yeah. You can also use them at the application level. And we've got a great integration from, you know, these M365 labels used by Purview when you scan those data sources like SQL Server, like Azure Synapse Analytics, and they apply those labels on those assets. Then you have an application, if you call it an application, like a Power BI dashboard that comes in and pulls those data sets from SQL to create a dashboard, and it knows about and uses the labels that are on those SQL columns Wow! to be able to put those labels on a Power BI dashboard. Really powerful flow of all those labels. And of course, we already have the ability to, when you, when you export the data from um, Power BI dashboard, when you save it as an Excel file, it already, um, it already takes in that label. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the number of times when we're doing good analytics, we're pulling from so many different data sources. And often we go out of the app, like it's a CSV dump or something like that. And you kind of lose, you know, any of the thoughts around PII or data governance in general, you know, you're hoping you're working internally, internally and doing the right thing. But I guess in theory, this platform approach, you should be able to re-identify that data. doesn't matter that it came through a kind of narrow transport like that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Purview at its source is creating this giant data map of um, at when it scans classifications and all sorts of other tags from specific PII things Mm -hmm. all the way to, you know, the the credit card numbers and custom um, sensitive information types that you can create within Purview. And so all of that to say that now I can really scan and have this rich metadata store across my data estate to really know where is my sensitive data and what should I be doing with it. Yeah, it's not just PII, it's also PCI. Yes. What, what happens when you get into real, I mean, on a third, like medical data or things like that? Is there is there particular filters for that as well? Absolutely. You can say, you know, there's, there's specific um, groupings. You can create um, categories of classifications mm-hmm. that are for a particular um, for a particular standard or regulatory um, compliance requirement. Right. And, um, and some of those are built in and some of those you can create the custom ones if you have, you know, something, a canonical example is an employee ID. Right. Right. Or a, a customer bank account. It's got a specific type of regex and I want to go find those and, and be able to apply that classification as well. Is this just massive, smart string parsing then? Like I, <laughs> it is. You said regex like it was a solution, and we've been teasing about that for years. But, you know, there's folks that get good at that. Regex is one of those things like it won't stay in my head. I have to practice it. I get the expression written. It works. And then it drops out of my head again. (laughs) So it's absolutely that we've got out-of-the-box things. We have the ability to create custom ones. And then we have an increasing number of um, more data science-infused abilities to go and find the correct sensitive information. So, so. it's it, it, interesting to think in the context of something like HIPAA compliance rules that you could have a set of tools for me already set up to help go and analyze that data besides me having to create my own. Like I get, I would need to create my own to identify like a customer ID because I invented that in the first place. So I need mm-hmm. to make the rules to, to identify it. But there are mm-hmm. a bunch of standard filters already in place. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. Yep. It's really interesting. And it's all a different, I, I would think just Matt, 
of course, data governance is not just protection of people's private information, so forth, certainly important, right. but just mapping yeah. what you have. Yeah. You know? I call that the know your data value, right? Yeah. The visibility into what your data is. And who can say that you know where your data is, what your data is, yeah. and then and let alone how sensitive it is or who's using it, mm-hmm. right? So all of these things are coming on that journey um, towards this data governance. And um, and uh, we're excited to to take this first step to be able to have people be able to discover where is their data and what is their data. So is it you're just pointing at particular services like your Agile SQL instance or some VMs or things like that? Like, how do I make sure I'm getting everything? All right. So um, we have invested a huge amount in the ability to scan across large numbers of data file types or or data sources. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, from structured to unstructured and then the number of locations um, that that we can point purview is also really important. So we're talking about all the basic um, structured types um, and uh, unstructured from you know all of the office file types are being able to be uh, scanned by purview as well. Right. But then where are we scanning? So purview um, has this big wide lens and it says point me at whatever it is that you want and I will go scan it. So first thing you do is you can do something like um, do a data source by data source. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to specifically do that um, Azure Synapse Analytics because I really need to know what's in there. Or I want to uh, onboard and register all the, the data within this Power BI tenant that I have right. um, in my environment. And then it goes and searches. The, the next step is to say, okay, that's great. I know I can find things but I really want to scan at scale, right? So point me at a subscription and then onboard all the data sources within that subscription. Yeah, I can imagine that. Right. You're going to need a non-trivial set of privileges for this account to do those yeah. scans. Like yeah. this is this is a super user account. Or, or is there, op- I know it's still in preview, but is there options for me to granularize privileges? Like, I'm pretty careful with the break glass account. It's like, well, I these are the accounts that has access to those databases. These are the accounts that have access to that exchange account. Like, can we break that down? Uh, yes. Yeah, so what we want to do is things like a storage blob reader. Right. Um, you just want to give them the read access. That's true. You only need read. You only need read. Yeah. Right? There's no touching these things at the moment. All we're doing is scanning and pulling, cracking things open to do a, an in-depth scan, pulling out the metadata that we find, mm-hmm. applying classifications, and putting it in and storing it in this rich data map. So that's the, the heart of Purview is the, the data map. Building a, a, a map of the metadata, basically this detailed metadata of everything that you could point at, essentially. That's right. I mean, that's right. And, and so yeah. then I said, you know, you can do that on a subscription, but really we also want to do that across um, other clouds. Right. right. So our goal is to be able to onboard more and more data sources across more and more clouds. That includes our first step being AWS S3 because yeah. it's such a popular data source when we query our customers. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. They say, that's the one I have the trouble with. Like, okay, <laughs> that's... we'll go there first. Well, it was also first, right? Like yes. when, when we were starting to move the podcast to the cloud way at the beginning, we stored yep. the audio files in S3. 
Uh, we don't anymore, exactly. but like it was first. So it's also going to be the cruftiest because it was first. So when we yes. didn't really know what we're doing before governance was really in place, like there's stuff, a lot of stuff. That's right. And there's still stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, and I won't point fingers only at, at customers using AWS S3. We absolutely have customers who go, I'm not sure of all these settings on my Azure, you know, s- subscription. Sure. Do I have it right? How do I know? Where's my data? Tell me what I need to go look at first to really make sure that I know what my data is and then I'm, I'm protecting it properly. Well, and every company has a junk drawer somewhere. Like that's, that's just, right. that's just the truth too. So I think for, for part of us being data governance professionals is just acknowledging there is a junk drawer. It's okay. Classified anyway. And Laura, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. I'm Richard Campbell. This is Run As Radio. I'm here with Lori Litwack. We're talking a little bit about purview, currently in preview, and uh, this idea of having a map of everything that your company stores. Now, I see this as a startup process. This is an initial thing I need to do to build out this metadata. What's the ongoing operation look like? I'll say that discovering and adding resources um, and data sources to your data map is um, definitely an ongoing job, Mm -hmm. right? As you discover shadow IT and you want to bring it on board and you want to um, shine some light into what you have going on in those data sources, that is an ongoing thing. But the key thing that happens regularly is the um, frequent scanning, the periodic scanning, because you want the scanning to happen to see, do I have new data, um, sensitive data that I've discovered? Are there any other things going on that I need to know about and any actions that I need to take from there? So that's for the data map itself. But on top of that rich data map, we have actually two um, big solutions or applications that, that are offered for it. And one is the data catalog. So it enables business users and data professionals, data analysts, mm-hmm. to be able to find data, not just to protect it, but make to maximize business use of it. Right. Right. So where is that Power BI, you know, dashboard that I was looking for that has the, the sales data that I need to share with my sales team? Or what is what's the, uh, the marketing um, results and how did that flow through my environment? Um, so that I can find those things and make better use of that business data. Yeah, you might have one team that's done some decent competitive research, and that data is now visible to the organization if they they need to use it elsewhere. Like it, it's an interesting aspect of just having that catalog, so people aren't duplicating work, and also working from a single source of the truth. Exactly, exactly. So uh, being able to find trustworthy, valuable data and and make better use of it, mm-hmm. not storing seven copies of the same, you know, SQL table because, yeah. uh, you know, everybody made a copy of it because they couldn't find it in the first place. 
Yeah, or redoing the work, like doing redoing the the year end numbers because you couldn't find the last set. Exactly, uh, that whole digital transformation means creating a da- uh, data driven culture and making democratizing that data across mm-hmm. your environment. So you want to be able to have a data catalog that allows custom, internal customers to find the data that they need to be able to make better decisions quicker. Wow. But there's the other side of that, which is uh, suddenly I've made all this data available to so many people across my organization. Who's using it? What is the sensitivity? What's my risk? Right. And that's the other application is the rich data insights that we build on top of that data map, right? To enable admins, um, data governance admins, uh, security admins to say, where's my risk? You know, what is my data? What protection actions should I take next to make sure that the data is being used correctly. Well, and even created correctly too. You know, you get a, you get a small team off in a corner somewhere that gets a little enthusiastic and and convinces folks to give them data that you don't really want to have in the organization. Mm-hmm. This looks like a tool that might surface that in a reasonable length of time. I don't think it'll be instant. Like it does sound like a batch process. Like I'm running this in the evenings or on the weekends or something to sort of look and surface new data that's appeared in the organization. Right. You can set up the scans to run monthly, to run weekly, Mm -hmm. to set start at a particular time that is good for your environment, um, whether it's being run in your um, European region or your South American region, etc. Right. You get to set how that scanning works. Um, And absolutely, once you find stuff, then you want to be able to say, okay, so what new sensitive data, what new um, sensitivity labels for Microsoft Information Protection have been applied to my data? Let me take a look, you know, weekly or every two weeks at all the things that are labeled highly confidential. Right. Okay, there's my next task. I, I've checked off that, you know, that I know what it is and I know where it is and I know that it's protected properly, etc. Yeah, I think my, my, list, my look every week would be how much new data we created that is untagged. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that, that so, and then it happens to be sensitive. Like it needs to be scrutinized. And they, I guess does Purview have that ability to sort of say, I think this might be PII, like it's got the shape of PII? What it does is it takes a look at it and it uh, determines if it's at a particular confidence level. Right. It, it labels it as PII and it won't label it if it's not confident. Okay. But the more data that you have and, um, uh, the more likely it is to be able to make a confident uh, estimation of that. The yeah. other thing I want to say mm-hmm. is, is um, that it's not just all the stuff in Azure. I, I really haven't talked about the the ability to go scan those SQL servers on prem. Right. Yeah. Oh, the because access databases. Right. The Excel spreadsheets. Like. The stuff that's on that's on local machines, like people build their own mailing lists and stuff, not following company policy about how we manage contact information, like PI and, and those kinds of PII. Like just to be able to discover that, that's huge. Right. So um, the the ability for people to do really do digital transformation, they have to know what's on those on premise SQL servers before they can even consider moving them into the sure. cloud whether it's a lift and shift into a VM or whether it's actually transforming it into Azure SQL yeah. or something else that is valuable to them. And, and um, customers have told us they, they can't get the approval to go ahead with certain things 
until they know what's actually in there. Right. Right. Yeah. And then they know that it's safe to move it to the cloud. Or at least that you know what you're moving. Like you can, you can't manage risk exactly. until you have enough knowledge to know, hey, we're moving sensitive information. It should be moved like this. It's not exactly. automatically exactly. bad that we have this. Although there's that macro conversation of we have a lot of sensitive information. Is it necessary? Like, you know, what, what can we get rid of or reduce our exposure around? But yeah. It, exactly. I, I just, I love the, the prospect of just being aware we're in the pro, you know, that, that a, a team is, is doing something risky without knowing they were doing it risky and that you can, you can sort of take a look at that and say, how do we do this safely? How do we ha handle that properly for you? Or even just the duplicate, I'm just smitten with that duplication of effort. How many times folks redoing work that's already been done that the, that at least we, a, that A, we can detect that they're doing it and then point them towards the data catalog where that work was already done. It, it's just a super valuable tool, not just on the security and admin side, but yeah. also on the data consumer side to be able to find and, and use the, the right data for the right use and to maximize the business value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you, you start to get more and more efficient around that. I also love this idea of be watching people reading data, like just knowing what they're leaning on to say, should we put a team together to make this particular set of data high quality or or be cared for at a higher level? Like this it turns out to be incredibly important data across many parts of the company. Sure. Uh, you can imagine once we've done a, a lot of the scanning and we've invested really big there, mm -hmm. that you've got all these other uses and all these other next steps that you can talk about, whether it's you know, data quality or whether it's specific things around um, PII or other uses for it that you can create additional value on top of that. Always this mechanism of insight, right? Like it, we've collected a tremendous amount of data. We rarely utilize it for anything other than its initial collection. The, the fact that uh, we I can agree. think, well, and this is, this is not just snapping an OLAP cube over top of a database. This is thinking very broadly about all of the data being consumed. What about the odd or unstructured data sources? What things like images and audio and video? Like, what what are we able to do there? Okay. Oh, we're still getting there. Yeah, we're still getting there. So that that's a future um, a future feature where we are working with the, on the N365 side that mm -hmm. we want to make sure that whatever we do, that it is consistent in terms of the ability to classify and label the, the data that we find. I did a show a while back with Seth Juarez, which is always a riot, uh, where we're talking specifically about indexing unstructured data. And I got to think that if somebody was taking one of those initiatives using cognitive services to index and analyze that kind of unstructured data, that Purview would pick that up that indexing up that and is, just in the catalog. So yeah. and what it does is it amplifies those efforts. You know, they, Agreed. It makes greater value for our customers to invest in, um, in searching, whether it's across our productivity cloud in M365 or Azure or multi-cloud, yeah. um, using great sources like cognitive services. Yeah. Th those are tools to be able to put the data in a form where a data governance tool like Purview can then see it and say, this is what this looks like. This is what could be done with it. The fact that it happens to be video is, is fine. Okay. Uh, obviously, there's, the challenge is always going to be the more sources. Like I, I expect you to consume all the Microsoft formats and all the Microsoft platforms. But what platforms are we going to struggle with still? I mean, I'm glad we have S3. I can think of a dozen other Amazon services I'd love to have. But then, is you know, there's the other clouds, too. Absolutely. So um, 
we can talk about the big infrastructure clouds, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which we can say as um, Azure and AWS and Google. Um, but then there's the SaaS clouds as well, right? Because they, people have a lot of, of value in those SaaS clouds. Salesforce, SAP, like tremendous amounts of data. That's right. So we have an initiative uh, internal to Purview that we're reaching out with connectors to pull data in to from those um, those SaaS clouds, from SAP to Salesforce to Teradata to Oracle to etc. Right. The the funny part is. I can imagine the Purview client looking like a hacker when you start walking through all that Salesforce data. Like, they, we're going to have to put some rules around what those accounts look like, what they're allowed to do. It's like, this is the Purview monitor. It's okay. Sure. And um, we, when we think through what it looks like to go and um, scan those data sources, mm-hmm. we want it to be to feel and look as natural to those um, data sources as possible. Sure. But we also want to include the admins for those types of data sources so that they understand what's going to be happening and um, and so that they can set it up in a scan frequency that works for them, that doesn't interrupt the, the actual business activity. Yeah. Um, and so that we minimize the amount of data that we uh, pull across regions Right. Because we want it to do as much scanning as possible locally and then just return the metadata back to your data map. Yeah, I could see this getting expensive if I was constantly copying all that data to a common source. And that's not what we 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 don't need. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Just the (laughs) metadata, please. Uh, Yeah. You know, I think it's. It reminds me of old school data warehousing projects run amok where we were make, just making copies of everything, you know, more disks, please. Uh, yeah, it doesn't need to be like that. Uh, the deltas, they be intelligent about what has changed and extract the metadata around those changes without making copies of the data. Right. And we can run both full scans and incremental scans. Right. Right. So. Yeah, that's the combination. It's as long as it's sophisticated enough. But yeah, there's... I think there's going to be many, many places. The big one's going to be all of those internal, those thousands of internal applications that have various yes. scraps of data in various forms and tremendous a range of formats. Uh, where is this actually running? Like, are there agents I'm going to need to install? Like, what does Purview look like from an implementation perspective? It's a fully managed PaaS service right. that's running in the Azure cloud. Um, and all of the scanning for Azure sources are done um, just within Azure. Right? Mm-hmm. So we will go and we have the scanning in the different regions. So where again, we're not pulling data across regions. We want to have scanners wherever your data lives. You have a single data map stored in whatever region that you have um, chosen to create your purview account in, and right. you have the choice of a variety of regions. Um, and then when we're talking about going out to uh, on-premise, then we'll have a self-hosted integration runtime that goes and runs native or right with the data and then pulls back the uh, metadata that is important to put into the data map. So that's Azure sources, right. on-prem sources, and then the um, the other clouds we have scanners that run local to those other clouds and then just only send back the metadata. And it, and it strikes me, this is not a gatekeeper. This is not going to 
pop a flag or so forth. This is all post facto sort of trailing indicator. We analyze what's happened with data and what new data has been created and, and then perhaps pop flags for potential um, security violations. Like there's different jobs here, right? I've got group policy for stopping people from copying data off machines. <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like that's Purview's job, although Purview might pick up where those such things have happened. Right. So our initial focus is all about the governing, knowing my data. Right. And so it absolutely is scanning and showing me uh, insights across what is my data and making it available to business uh, and users to right. be able to make better use of that data. We can see the time and customers' um, needs growing where we are integrating with other services such that we can deliver things to um, other security-focused apps right. that allow you to do more real-time or more investigation or more other things that are uh, important to your security uh, roles. Yeah, that, the, the purview to me is that know what we have, make it available, and then know who's using it. Mm -hmm. And that know who's using it then gives you an opportunity to say, do I need to put rules around how it's being used? Absolutely. And, and uh, yes. We want to grow in those directions, okay. right? So there's there's vision for more value on top of this rich data map. Awesome. Uh, Lori, thank you so much for chatting with us. Where can people learn more about Purview? Uh, I recommend that you go to um, aka.ms slash try Azure Purview and aka.ms Azure Purview. Those are two great places to start. Awesome. Uh, Lori Litwack, thanks so much for coming on Run As Radio. Thank you so much. Had a great time. You bet. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.